Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, you're listening to another Awesomers.com podcast. This one is episode number 41. And you can find the show notes and relevant details that we talk about in today's show at Awesomers.com slash 41. That's Awesomers.com backslash 41. Today, my guest is Regina Peterbergsky, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her name, but Regina is an extraordinary entrepreneur. I'm thrilled that she was able to join us. And listen, she's worked for 30 years without a salary job. Uh, Regina considers herself to be unemployable, which is uh, a trait that I think is common with a lot of different entrepreneurs. In fact, she had the realization about three years ago that the business she was in would not get her to the financial freedom or goal she set for herself. And she was propelled into becoming a new breed of the Amazon entrepreneurs. Uh, these are the folks that I often call Amazon cornerstone businesses, where they have decided to be in the e-commerce space, but they're going to focus first on using the Amazon marketplace, gaining some leverage, gaining some scale, and carrying on from there. And it was a really great uh, revelation she has within the episode. You're going to hear it live coming up just in a minute, and a really great journey that she was been able to take uh, herself through. She's been able to escape the nine-to-five rat race and build a lifestyle of her own dreams through building her business. Regina has tried her hand at many careers in life, succeeded in some, failed in others. That's just kind of how things go for us all. She's done everything from selling advertising, cars, and insurance on commission to traveling the world as a tour director for 10 years. And she most recently, before her Amazon business, owned a wholesale uh, manufacturing and fashion business with two retail stores to manage. Ooh, that's a lot of work. It was during a difficult time in the last business that the lights literally went on, as she says, that aha moment, if you will, and she saw the opportunity that the Amazon business was able to offer. And now, as a successful Amazon seller, Regina spends her time building Amazon brands and helping others do the same, and she's also single-handedly raising her nine-year-old daughter and acting as a housemaid for their two opinionated cats. You're going to be loving the fact that we have Regina on today, and I'm glad you're here. Okay, Awesomers, we're back again. Steve Simonson today joined by Awesomer, fellow Awesomer, Regina Peterbergsky. How did I do? You did great, Steve. Mm. Well done. See, I'm, I'm trying to get my average on pronunciation up, but uh, I'm not that good at it. I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I appreciate the uh, uh, positive reinforcement of getting that right. 
Uh, Regina joins us all the way from Australia today, is that right? That's right, Melbourne, where it's uh, a chilly, about 10 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but we're in winter anyway. And it's uh, just after 5 a.m. here. I'll do the math for those uh, who can't do the Celsius uh, to Fahrenheit math. That is 900 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Uh, No, that's a chilly time of year down there. Uh, It's winter time. And uh, Regina was kind enough to get up at five in the morning to uh, get a time slot here. So thank you for your uh, uh, extra effort to to join in the the party. I'm honored to be here, Steve. Well, it's definitely my pleasure to get you on here. So I I always like to have you start with a summary. I've already read kind of your bio and some of the background uh, to to the audience out there, but maybe tell us in your own words, what takes up your your time day to day? What's uh, consuming you day to day right now? Consuming me? Well, right now I'm heavily into chatbots, Um, but uh, generally I, I live in Melbourne. I have a nine-year-old who I'm raising on my own. So that she takes up a lot of my day, as do my two very demanding cats. But uh, how I make my money is I'm an Amazon brand builder. Uh, I do a little bit of coaching as well. And I'm currently in the process of writing a book about uh, amazing, awesome Amazon sellers. I love it. Yeah, that is a, a book that uh, probably will have pretty high demand. There's so many extraordinary examples out there. I, I just love uh, meeting the folks just like yourself. So um, and then how long have you been uh, in the e-commerce space in general? In general, well, I launched my very first website, which was built by my brother-in-law on, you know, with string, I think, um, about probably 14 years ago. Nice. Uh, and of course, uh, that was right at the cutting edge, uh, certainly here in Australia, of fashion website, and it was a dismal failure, sold absolutely nothing, um, <laughs> but it was an interesting experience. Then probably about seven or eight years ago, I had somebody who I paid a lot of money build a website for me, and I was selling baby clothes, which actually went quite well. I got very deep into SEO, uh, and that did quite well until... Uh, Google did one of its penguins or pandas or some animal uh, update and I lost, of course, all of my rankings. And at the same time, I was still in my retail business. So my energy was taken back into retail. And so that website, which was doing quite well for some time, uh, all of a sudden was not doing quite well. So if, you, if you've got any uh, children or grandchildren coming up, I still have a few baby clothes in my, uh, uh, <laughs> <in> my garage. <laughs> I love it. You know, this is a great example for folks out there, especially if you haven't been around the e-commerce space for a long time, to remember that, you know, that magic pixie dust that was Google SEO worked really great for a long time. And if, yes. if, if you told any of us at the time, you know, before the menagerie of animals attacked us and reported <laughs> us, that that this um, this magic pixie dust would suddenly dry up. That a lot of people would say, "Oh no, that's not possible." I, I'll, there's always a way. There's always a way. But Amazon, basic or not Amazon in this case, Google got really good yes. at their algorithmic and machine learning and AI kind of implementations, mm. and they basically discounted so much of the things that used to work that they took us out of that SEO business. Is that how your experience went? Um, Look, for me, it was a combination. It was partly that, but it was just as much my own personal attention that uh, my retail business needed my energy. So I had to take my focus off the website daily uh, SEO things that I was doing very, very uh, white hat. Um, so I had to take my attention away because my retail business needed me. So it was a combination of those, those things. So I wasn't able to react to the, the animal update. 
Yeah, boy, they, they, they were uh, wild animals for sure. Uh, well, listen, before we dive a little bit more into your background, we're going to take a quick break. But uh, as sure. always, I love to kind of get to the root of the Osmer origin story. And we're going to do that right after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P A R S I M O N Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back, everybody, and uh, we're talking with Regina today, all the way from down under, if I can use that term. Is that is that right? Uh, if, on top. No, you guys are. We're, it's upside down. We're on top. You're on. Top. <laughs> well, this is a revelation. Uh, I hope people are keeping notes. We, we flipped the globe up. Yeah, we are now down under here in. That's North right. Beach. I like that. That's right. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's rewind and go back to the very beginning. Uh, where were mm-hmm. you born, Regina? I was born in one of those shithole places. I was born in uh, Kiev in the Ukraine when it was part of the former Soviet Union, which, uh, of course, nobody knew who the Ukraine was or where it was. So, of course, I used to tell everybody we came from Russia, which, of course, now people know that Ukraine actually is its own independent uh, country. And we uh, emigrated as refugees uh, to actually New Zealand when I was uh, seven years of age. So English is technically my second language. It sounds pretty good so far. Uh, I'll uh, keep you, yeah, keep you honest if uh, if it goes into. So you probably speak Ukrainian or Russian? No, Russian. Russian was my first language, um, and uh, I very rarely speak it these days. I still understand, but I'm not a fluent speaker anymore because my parents, um, when we immigrated, they wanted their children to integrate, and so we, as a family, made a concerted effort to learn English so that my sister and I didn't have very strong Russian accents uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when we grew up because, as I said, my, my parents thought it very important that we integrate into our new uh, country. Fascinating. I like that. Uh, tell me, if you will, or if you can, mm-hmm. what did your parents do at that time? Well, my parents did uh, pretty much the same as a lot of refugees. They did anything they could to support themselves. Uh, for the first um, few years, they each worked two or three jobs. My father uh, worked on manual uh, as a manual labourer on building sites, and then became. Uh, you'll remember this, Steve, from a previous conversation. He actually became a meat boner. I, yeah, one of my favourite terms ever. I just have to say, <laughs> we got it on the record today. Uh, what is a meat boner? Just uh, so that we- a meat boner is like the surgeon of butchery. So uh, between the abattoir and the butcher, there is a person or a team of people who actually takes the meat from large animals off the carcass so that it's small so that the butchers can slice it up. So it's a very uh, hard, actually manual uh, labour. Uh, but, but yes, it's, it's quite precision. So he was often coming home with knife wounds in his uh, various body parts 
Um, so yes, and then my mother worked uh, at a telephone exchange and then a bank. They also both worked extra jobs in fast food restaurants, as I said, anything they could to get us on our, our feet. And funnily enough, that. a few years later when uh, they were able to afford quite a, a, a nice uh, house in a nice neighbourhood and people would say to my father, well, haven't you been lucky? His response was always, you know what, the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> That's true for us all, I believe. Isn't it just? Yes. It's, uh, I just love that kind of, um, you know, the, the beginnings of the story because it just reminds everybody that it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you're going, right? And your parents exactly. yeah. nothing to give you guys opportunity and to create opportunity for themselves. And they earned what well, they got along the way. Oh, absolutely. And it was all about us. You know, the, the, their life, you know, as tough as it was, probably would have been better if they had remained back in the old country. Awesome. Uh, but, but they certainly did it uh, and then went through a lot of struggle. My uh, father was in his 30s already. My mother was in her late 20s uh, when, we, when we came and they did it all, all for us, for my sister and I, for the opportunities that, so that we could have opportunities they never had, could. I love it. Um, that's a boy. The the beckoning of freedom really does uh, uh, call. People. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. So uh, you mentioned your sister, and I'm yes. uh, wondering if she has any entrepreneurial bend or what what type of work she does. She is the total opposite. Uh, <laughs> she is a lawyer. Uh, she has two university degrees. So I joke, my sister and I have an average of one each. So she, <laughs> she has two, I have none. Uh, and she is actually a senior lawyer for one of our government departments here in Australia. She is uh, non-entrepreneurial. Um, so it's sort of the polar, polar opposites. Yeah, there's a, such a fascinating, you know, same parents, same kind of... Uh, yep refugee story same upbringing and yeah the two different paths are, are so totally uh, interesting totally different yes fascinating now so obviously uh you did not go to university oh i did oh, i did, did. Oh, tell us yes more. i just failed i failed oh, miserably i went I to two it. different universities so oh. I, I i gave it two goes uh but uh, formal study was not for me because i had sort of sailed through school um did quite well never learned how to study so I was, you know, I failed, yeah, twice uh, at two, I, I two, two different universities. You you did literally gave it the old college try, and uh, but you you didn't take to college because you didn't like the studying and didn't like the environment. I, well, I well, it it's just, I I just didn't get. I I didn't have the discipline of actually going and study, and also I was out in the workforce. I was myself working three jobs by then because and uh, was having such a great time earning money, going out, having fun that uh, I decided that the workforce it was for me. I love it. Yeah, that is. Uh, so when, when you were in that experience in university, did anything stand out? Did you have any memory of, you know, uh, things you liked or didn't like? Anything you care to share? Uh, well, when I was supposed to be studying economics, I spent most of my time in the library um, poring over Salvador Dali art books. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when I was supposed to be studying pharmacy, which was my first uh, training, I was actually getting really interested in psychology. So psychology uh, of human behaviour was what really interested me most. So my second course was, was economics and psychology. Unfortunately, when I got to the university side of psychology, it turned out to not be so much human behaviour, but all about rats and stats, as we say over here, so statistics <laughs> and, and rats. And so I didn't find that that was really what I was very interested in. It was more human behaviour that was of, of real interest to me. 
And it was only when I actually got into sales that I discovered that that's where you really learn about human behavior. Yeah, quite right. Uh, Rats Mm. and stats can only do so much. Uh, So tell us about your first proper job. Uh, Maybe after university, you're dipping your toe into the sun water. Oh, look, I, um, my first proper job was actually while I was still in high school was uh, I was working in a retail store in a pharmacy, um, just a shop assistant. So after school and Saturday mornings and um, after university or after, yes. So yeah, university. Um, I again went uh, back into retail sales cause that was the only thing that I'd sort of had experience. So I was uh, working in a retail store selling clothes until that store was bought by a new owner and that owner wanted to run it herself. So I couldn't run it anymore. Um, and I was absolutely devastated. And so I went and found myself a job actually in uh, telephone marketing way back in the eighties. Wow. And I think it was telemarketing. And I think it was possibly, this was in Perth in Western Australia. It was possibly the first telemarketing operation as such uh, as we know them today, but back then it was brand new. You know, we used to ring people on the phone, um, give them a sales pitch and ask for their credit card right there and then. It was unheard of. And uh, so, so that was really my, my first true foray into what I consider sales. And I absolutely loved it. And I did better than anybody else in the phone room. I was, uh, I think, 19 at the time and uh, felt I deserved a promotion to, to be a manager with, with the company because I did so well. And I did so well because I was uh, going out after we only did four-hour shifts. I would go out uh, after my four-hour shift. And instead of um, working through, I don't know, do you have those Dun & Bradstreet um, uh, lists that we used to get? Sure, for sure. Uh, Yeah, to, it was like we used to get these Dun & Bradstreet lists. And I thought, well, that was far too hard because we were we were uh, trying to call executives of, of companies. Yeah, so you're so cold we, calling off of a... So we were, we were cold calling company managers, uh, executives. And I thought, you know, this, this is far too hard. So what I used to do um, was go downstairs. And so this was actually for the Hilton Hotel. We were selling those dining privileges cards. I don't know if you remember them way back then. So I uh, would go after my shift and walk around the office buildings around the hotel and take the list down the names of the companies that were in the office buildings within walking distance of the hotel. And then I would just ring directly. I sort of basically forgot about Dun & Bradstreet. So I would just call them because it was easy. It was like they just around the corner. They're likely to come to the Hilton. Um, and then the other thing that I used to do, which nobody else did, was I was always asked for referrals. And uh, that was – so those were the two things that I did that were different that put me on top of the sales ladder. And uh, when they were looking for a new manager and I put my hand up, they said, no, you can't do it because you're too young. It had nothing to do with my – um, productivity. <laughs> uh, but I, at 19, I was far too young to, to manage people. So that was uh, the first disappointment, uh, main big disappointment of my, of my career as such in sales. But, but you know, that, that really got me uh, a taste for, for sales and talking to people and um, solving problems for them. Problems that they didn't even know they had. <laughs> <laughs> Those are uh, a common thing, uh, a common mm. theme in sales is uh, help mm. defining a problem, 
Uh, well, you're you're actually presenting a solution to a problem they didn't know they had, but exactly. they're still solved now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but, but here, here's a, here's a coda. Uh, four four years later, I went back to that same company as a manager just to tell it, just to show that I could. <laughs> I love it. I love that. So um, now you, uh, we're going to have to pause and do some sure. Australian language translation. Of course, you, you said a coder. Here's a coder. Oh, oh a coder. Um, I think that may even be Latin. That's a, a postscript. Okay. You know, just, right, just yeah, to, to, I, I to that story. This, this is yeah. like a, a tail end. Yes. All right. So yes. that's everybody. Uh, a coder is a, a look back. C-O-D-A. C-O-D-A. A coder. It's not a look okay. back. It's, it's, it's a, um, something that happens at the end of. Or okay. Postscript. I'm not sure. Thing. Yes, like a postscript. All right. That's right. I like that. All right. Coda, everybody. We're expanding our brains. <laughs> right as, we speak. Uh, as a little side note. And not to uh, steal your thunder here, but I also did telemarketing and mm. I was in uh, high school at the time and I was a carpet cleaning telemarketer, but I got to call warm leads generally. Oh, they were okay, past right, yes. customers and it's like, hey, it's been a year. We should come over and suck your rugs. And, um, and that was, I did not like it, although I was pretty good at it and uh, it was easy enough to kind of hit my numbers and so forth. Uh, but I did not like it, and I'm uh, very intrigued that you did like it. You you enjoyed the, the... well. I I enjoyed it once I got onto the referrals. That was so I did smart. not like the cold calling. It was, hey Steve, I'm calling you because John told me I should. Yeah. And did he call you to let me know I'd be ringing? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's so smart. And... <laughs> but that, that that's when that's when I loved it because it was so easy. It was like, oh, you want five? No problem. Tell me, you know, <laughs> I'll yeah. take your credit card. What a great uh, example of kind of breaking the, the existing paradigm that was there. Here, take this list, dial these numbers into, you know, going to the, the high rises, figuring out what's what. And by the way, uh, for those who don't know, that's how Alibaba started their sales training, uh, their oh, sales okay. thing, is they assigned one salesperson per high rise building. And it's like, mm -hmm. go get all the companies in there on the Alibaba. And until that building was done, that person did not move on to a new building. And oh, so wow. they literally mm -hmm. hired thousands of sales reps to do kind of what you just talked about. Maybe you were pioneered the idea for. Oh, it. there you go. I should, I should call Jack Ma and say, "Hey, yeah. <laughs> where's, my, where's my, my stock?" Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that's that. Right. <laughs> Put in a good word for me while you're on the phone. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, so, how about is there any defining moment that stood out in your mind uh, along your journey from then to now, whether it's uh, you know uh, from university forward or whatever? Anything that you know kind of helped you kind of solidify your values or or had a big takeaway for you? Look, I've had so many over the years. I uh, uh, have spent a lot of time, energy and money on uh, my own personal development. So even though I never finished university formally, I have spent certainly more than 10,000 hours filling what's between my ears. Um, I got involved with um, a personal development program called Money and You, which I think is still around, but it was at the, yeah, this was a long time ago. It was actually uh, courses that were being taught by Robert Kiyosaki before he was Robert Kiyosaki wow. uh, on uh, personal and business development. So there was a lot of things that I learned back then that I still um, hold in, in, in my life and business today. Um, but really it's for me, it's all been about uh, goal setting and, um, um, yeah, goal setting and sticking to, to your, your goals and also knowing when to cut loose. 
when things are not working. Uh, so I, I guess my most recent sort of aha moment was uh, probably four years or so ago when I was doing some serious looking at my life and goal setting for what I wanted for myself and my daughter in the future. And I came to the realisation that the business that I was in was not going to get me there. And I had been so sort of attached to that. Yes, this is this is my business. This is my business. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. And of course, the balance sheets had been telling me for years that that was not going to happen. But it took for me to, to sit down and look ahead uh, uh, to realize that no, that was not going to happen. So all of a sudden, my mind was open to more opportunities. And uh, when I was in that frame of mind to be more open, that uh, I came across a person that you and I both know called Jason Fladlin. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, the most amazing sales pitch I've ever seen uh, when he, for the third time, actually put uh, the Amazon FBA opportunity in front of me and I finally took it and it changed my life and it changed my daughter's life. And, and uh, as you and I know, changing a lot of people's lives. So yeah, that's I probably the most recent life-changing event for me. I love that as a defining moment because there's so many little pieces uh, mixed in there, right? First of all, the evaluation of where, you know, wherever you are, is it going to take you where you want to go? Yeah. And that's a hard conversation to have with oh, yourself, right? It is a very hard conversation, especially when I'd invested a lot of time. You know, at that point, it had been eight years in, in that business and a lot of my personal uh, money and energy and my own ego, obviously, attached to it. And I think that may have been the hardest to let go, to say, okay, well, this is not really where my life is going to go moving forward. It, it often is our own egos that, that put a stop to progress. And, yes. and I would definitely encourage people out there, especially if you do not find satisfaction fulfillment when you wake up every day. If you dread waking mm -hmm. up in the morning, it's time to take one of those personal inventories, whether it's your business, your, your job, whatever yep. it is, and decide if, if you're on the path where you want to go. Is this path going to get you... Uh, the level of fulfillment or success or whatever it is that you're looking for. And I, I, I salute you for taking that. Uh, did you find, once you kind of got past the difficult part of that, right, there's always the tumultuous reconciliation of, oh, no, I don't want to do this. How am I going to undo this, right? Because there's the unwinding. There's all of that kind of noise that goes on. Once that cleared up a little, did you find yourself a little bit more free in the mind? Uh, you know, well, well, yes. Well, what, what that, once I'd made the internal decision that this was not going to be my future, then my mind opened itself to opportunities. And nice. so I probably, so I made that, that was sort of like New Year's Eve, 2014, 2015. And so right through that first quarter, of 2015, I was looking at all sorts of things, um, you know, because once you're open, opportunities start start coming up. So I was like looking at this, looking at that, and uh, the Amazon opportunity I had seen before. Funnily enough, I'd seen it uh, in 2013 and I'd seen it in 2014, uh, but because in my mind I was not open, I wasn't ready for it. And so when I saw it for the third time, um, I was ready for it and all of a sudden it just made sense and went, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let's, so, I, so I jumped in um, and I did that while I was still in the I didn't leave my previous business. So I started uh, my first Amazon brand while I was still in my retail store. Nice. It's a good way to kind of transition when you can have yes. whatever level of uh, existing support or income that you have, and mm. you can kind of start to experiment with uh, yes. a new business model, a new idea. I, I love that. That's a great defining moment. 
Uh, how about, has there been any lesson that stands out along the way? Anything that just jumps out in your mind and says, gosh, I wish I would learn that thing earlier. Oh, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think f- for me, uh, uh, you know, we all have 2020 hindsight. You know, I wish I had jumped on the Amazon bandwagon when I first saw it. Uh, uh, I think before, I'm not sure if Jason Fladlin was even in on that stage when, when Matt Clark and uh, Jason Katzenbach uh, were, were first selling ASM1. I, I actually saw that opportunity and didn't recognise it for what it was, A, uh, well, because in Australia, firstly, Amazon, at that point, nobody knew anything about it. Um, But more importantly, because I wasn't personally ready for it, I was still attached to my uh, fashion empire that was going to be. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, so the the lesson you take away is... The the lesson is to be more open and not tied to to my ego um, and, and to really be more open to, to opportunities. I think that's such a smart uh, approach, you know, is it doesn't mean that we're going to get shiny object syndrome and, and chase every little uh, thing that we see, but it does mean, again, particularly when those indicators are going off, like this is not fun. Yep. I don't like waking up every day. Yep. Um, I, I used to use, I had a retail uh, operation at one time, more than one time actually, but mm. I remember the, the early 90s, uh, maybe it's mid 90s, and I was comparing my retail operation to my e-commerce dreams. And mm. I, I looked at my retail operation almost like working in a mine. I had just watched a, a show, a Homer Hickam launching missiles. I forget, uh, October Sky it's called. And okay. it's a great, great movie, anybody uh, who watches it. And, and his dad works in this coal mine. And mm. the coal miners literally are, you know, the, the ceiling is maybe four feet. So they're all day long, they're walking with mm. their themselves hunched over and then they do whatever digging or whatever they, it is they did and and I just that was a metaphor for you know me being stuck in my retail stores mm. being bent over and just kind of dark and yep. and I wanted to launch rockets with the the mm. kid so mm-hmm. uh, that that was what ultimately gave me the confidence and the yep. you know the wherewithal to kind of uh, jump all in into e-commerce so a very similar story I love that mm. uh, uh, recollection of yours um, how about um, Along the way, particularly as it relates to the entrepreneurial side of things, is there ever been a time where you just simply wanted to back away and just kind of give up and maybe maybe even go back to the old uh, you know sales oh. jobs or cubicles oh, or something like that? Oh, go, go get a proper job. Oh, look, <laughs> proper proper job, whatever that is. Um, oh, look, you know, whenever there's a there's a, a setback, of course. Uh, you know, I had one uh, not so long ago where you know quite a a detailed marketing uh, plan that I'd put together and spent a lot of time and money on sort of failed absolutely miserably. And I sort of took myself to bed and gave myself a pity party for about 24 hours. Um, But then, you know, as we do as entrepreneurs, we we understand that we've got to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and come up with a new marketing plan or, or whatever it is that we need to do. So, so, So yes, it happens quite regularly, but I think the difference between entrepreneurs and what do you call them normies is that is that we we recognize that you know 24 hours is just about right for a pity party and uh we then need to to get back out there and and do what we're good at yeah i definitely uh so uh a kudos to you for the nomenclature usage uh you get that <laughs> point. Uh, see i have i told you i've been listening yeah i like that the, the bonus <laughs> for regina just went up uh, but you know the the contrast between awesomers and and normies is often found in this 
this idea of, you know, are we in control or is somebody else in control, yeah. right? Are, are we going to, so. um, you know, kind of figure out how to solve the problem or are we going to blame somebody else for the problems mm -hmm. that exist? And honestly, that accountability is one of the singular uh, most important details that, that kind of separates uh, the people who break the paradigms of normal and, and kind of find their own level of success and achievement. They define that for themselves, by the way. It's not yes, of course, yes. Whatever. Um, but by breaking those paradigms, it's, it's often because they just take accountability and responsibility and they're like, this ain't working, I'm going to do something different. Instead yeah, exactly. of lamenting over and over, woe oh, woe is me. Yeah, yes. the man's putting me down. Uh, yeah. And you know, most awesomers and in general entrepreneurs will find that that just doesn't work. You can't blame somebody else. You just got to take control. Well, of well, you know, it gets you sympathy, um, but it's not going to pay the bills. Um, yeah, I checked is, my is, recent is, bank account. Sympathy was not a line item on it. I could no, not, not even for no. A yeah, no, that's no, that's right. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let me let me ask you to reflect maybe on a best day that you've had. Um, so, you know, in, in whether it's recent or, or early on in your career, was there any days that stood out in your oh, mind? Oh, you know what? The, the one that I keep coming back to was my very first Black Friday on Amazon. I had launched my first product in mid-August of 2015. Um, and by Black Friday, I'd actually had to reorder because I'd sold out of my sample order in, in three weeks. Um, and so Black Friday, I actually took myself off to the movies because I didn't want to sit there and, and scroll watching the sales come in. I needed to take my mind off. And, um, you know, because of time differences and, and whatever, I think it was around 6 o'clock p.m. our time was when midnight rock ticked over in your time. And I was sitting in a bar and, by myself uh, and uh, the numbers clicked over to 200 units. Now, nice. these days, you know, we look, we look at 200 units and go, eh, you know. But back then I remember it was 200 units. It was uh, about $4,300 in sales. And, Steve, I'm not kidding. I was literally crying tears of joy because, for me, it was a validation that, hey, this could actually work. Yeah, yeah. Now, I you know, so, so as I said, it's not the biggest day I've had to date by far, but it's the one that had the biggest impact on me. And I remember I was calling my friends who knew of my journey. Not many people knew what I was doing at the time, but I had a couple of very dear friends who I was who I called and I was crying, saying, this is actually going to work. I love it. So for me, that was the, the defining moment of this particular business. It's, it is such a great thing to take that victory lap, right? Yeah. Mm. You know, we, we get the pity party. That's a 24-hour yeah. run. But we should take the victory lap. A, oh, a absolutely. Run. And absolutely. I, I really, I, I, I just love reflecting on those moments where things work. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's funny because I remember my first online business. Uh, mm. We had a store. This is back in 1998. Uh, we had an wow. online mm -hmm. store. And we had a secure shopping cart, the whole thing. But the way we got our orders was the system would fax the orders to us. <laughs> I, remember the, I remember faxes. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, millennials, you can look that up, hashtag fax. Yeah, fax machine, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so so we, would, we would just, when we first put up the site, no sales would come in, obviously. Yeah. right? It's just kind of a, you know, it's mm -hmm. up there. It's in the clouds. We don't understand what's happening. We, we add yep. content. We you know, get an email from here uh, time to time. 
But sure enough, the fax machine would rumble up. And that, that first time you get the fax, you're like, hey, you know, and you, you do the victory lap. And then after a while, though, the fax machine, it's going all the time. And that one that one moment is not as savory it's as it ex was. That, exactly. Right? It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, uh, that, that's right. You find new thresholds, I bet. And, uh, oh, new, look, uh, my, 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 I've had my best-selling day. I did $230,000 in one day. I love it. Which, which was amazing. But, again, I still go back to that $4,000 day um, as probably more significant for me than – all of the successes since. Yeah, I definitely think that is a great best day. Um, mm. And before we cut to a break and talk about the sure. future a little bit, uh, I wonder if you could share just a, a tool or a piece of software, an app, anything that you use day to day that you think other awesomers out there would like to know about. Look, my one that I can't do without is managed by stats. Shout out, shout out to Philip and his team over there. Um, I also like to use Celex. And at the moment, I'm playing around with chatbots, uh, as I was saying. So I'm actually using both ManyChat and uh, Paul Harvey's Seller Chatbot. Um, thanks for the recommendation. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually using them in tandem at the moment, uh, doing all sorts of weird and wonderful uh, stuff. So, but, but really, my one, if I could not use anything else but, would be Managed by Stats. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great program. Philip Jepson is a great and not just Guy, but a great engineer and, and his vision yes. of putting together that uh, program yeah. has been very, very well received, especially if you're an Amazon seller and you want to manage your business. So that's yeah. a great shout out there uh, and well earned by Philip and the team. Uh, so now that we've got a little bit of background, we're going to come back mm -hmm. and talk about the future a little bit. Uh, and we're going to do that right after this. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do, because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Uh, Regina Peterbergsky. Yeah, well done well, again. Joins us. Woohoo! That's two for two, everybody. Uh, <laughs> or, um, I'm going to send out uh, those baseball. Well, you won't have these in Australia, but we have baseball scoring sheets, and it'll be how oh, often okay. I get the name right of my guest. <laughs> uh, like I say, 50-50 might be an optimistic guest. Okay, all right. Well, you did well with me. Woohoo! I'm back on the boards. Uh, so, you know, as I like to think about things, and, and in fact, I'll, I'll reflect a little bit. I was on a, a message board on Facebook the other day, and maybe I'm breaking bad news to you. So you might want oh, to sit on. down for this. It appears you oh, are. I'm here. sitting down. Yes, go. Uh, well, it turns out that the private label business is dead on Amazon. And this oh, is really? a, uh, a post on Facebook. So you know it's real. Of course. <laughs> the, the assertion was that, um, that now the, the private label business is dead on, on Amazon. And there's a, a litany of reasons. Uh, reviews are hard to get and sales are hard to get and China's taking over the world and this and that. Uh, kind of the normal things that you see mm -hmm. out there. And I have my own response, but I'd be in interested to hear what your response to that sort of... Uh... Oh, do you know, I love this. I love it. One of the, my very favorite quotes, and it could even be a Robert Kiyosaki, but I'm not sure, was uh, somebody said, if, if a business is so easy, any idiot can do it, all the idiots get in. And I think we're now at a phase where all the idiots are getting out. So I'm glad to hear that things are getting tougher. 
because it means that the people who are serious about business and who are serious about the opportunity have got a great opportunity to go out and build a proper proper business. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme, and I think for a while it was. Um, that you know anybody could come in and slap their name on any product and off they go. Woohoo! Hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, luckily, uh, I think those opportunities still exist. But but I think moving forward, um, and people I talk to all agree that it's very much around building your brand, building it steady, building something of value rather than just slapping your name on any old uh, silicon product <laughs> or, or, or vitamin product or evolve serum or, or whatever those first products were. So, so no, I'm, I'm glad these things are, are happening because it's going to weed out the, the people who are looking for their next get rich quick scheme. I think that is uh, excellent kind of reflection and advice because the reality is, there, there has been a series of um, efforts out in the marketplace to, to uh, I don't know, to make this into kind of a, a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, this yeah. idea of, ah, sell on Amazon, whether it's retail arbitrage or private label, without really understanding that, you know, a real business takes real work. That, yeah. That's just the nature of the business. Um, yes. And I, I, would, uh, I would point out to people that the, the idea of private label is different maybe – than branding, right? Private yes. label is what you describe, Regina, which is somebody takes a you know a piece of equipment. You, you got the little cell phone, you know, selfie stick type yep. thing. You stick your own label on it. That's a private label. Yeah. And, and who cares? Because anybody can copy that. Anybody can do that. That's the right. price. That's and, and they and they do, and then it becomes a race to the bottom. They're not adding any value. Um, they're not servicing a, a consumer need or want. Well, and so, the, yeah. the, to me, the, the original sin is when they, they found the product by searching on Amazon, found something that was really selling, they knocked it off, and then they're outraged when somebody knocks when them off. When someone else does the same thing, yeah. exactly. So the principle of private labeling, um, on the face of that information, I'm not a big fan of it, whereas mm -hmm. I have no problem with branding, right? Creating your exactly. own brand. And you yeah. can even use that origin product as your basis and then go, now, how can I make mine unique and exactly. different? Yep. Uh, what am I going to add to it that maybe it's a patent, maybe it's licensing, maybe it's just some new twist Something. that makes it your own. Yes. And that is true branding. And that's where equity comes from. Yes. And that's, you know, I've been doing a little bit of coaching uh, recently, and that's very much where uh, I'm sending my coaches is that what we call them coachellas <laughs> i don't know coaching uh people who i'm working with or help, helping them build their brands very much in, in that direction is don't don't just uh do what everyone else is doing is what what's your spin what's your personal spin what what value can you add uh, and what equity can you add to your brand yeah boy and that though, that's such sage advice because again a business is not a little a baby that we're trying to grow and rear up and grow into a big business. That's that's how businesses feel when you're first starting out. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, this business has so much of my identity in it. And and that's why our, our ego gets in the way if the business mm -hmm. isn't working. Right. Yep. And so we've got to we've got to separate that emotion to it and say, how do we actually deliver real value to a customer? Real value. And that if you can do that, that's when you're going to get real loyalty and yes. real equity and all the other authentic things that comes along with a real brand. So very, very good advice there. 
Um, I want you to take out your crystal ball for a minute, uh, Regina. Mm -hmm. Now, mine's in the shop, so I'm going to rely on you for accuracy. <laughs> Um, wh what do you think is going to happen in the next five years in the Amazon marketplace? Uh, care to care to pontificate with me? Oh, look, I I don't know to be honest. Um, I think it's going to consolidate a little bit. Uh, I think some, you know, the 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 good players are going to stay in. Uh, I think there's going to be a big washout. Well, there already has been a big washout. The people who sort of come in, slap their label on a product and do well for the first six months and then, uh, you know, competitors come in, they get dis disheartened and they'll they'll get out. I think there's a lot of room for new sellers who want to do it properly, whatever, <laughs> however you define that. Um, Amazon, as we know, is growing. Uh, Australia has, has opened up. Um, very slow here still. Um, but, but we're getting there. Uh, I think they're going to continue opening new markets. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity both in the Amazon and in the online space, space still. I definitely um, agree with you. Uh, do, how do you feel about the, the concept of, you know, Amazon or not, not, not the concept, just the reality that Amazon has basically said, Hey, if you want to buy and you're in Australia, you're going to buy from our .au site or, you know, .com.au or whatever. Yeah, .com.au. Look, as a seller who sells in Australia, I think that's great. <laughs> As somebody who buys from Amazon US, not so much. Yeah, I like um, Look, I, I can see both sides of the story here. I can see why they've done it. They're, they're using the excuse of our GST, which is a very valid, to be honest, it's a very valid excuse. Um, so they're using that to drive uh, people to the Australian platform, which needs more sellers. Uh, and it needs more customers. It's it, it's the circle. Until they have more customers, they're going to not going to have more sellers. And until they have more sellers, they're not going to have more customers because the variety is not there yet. So, so I can very much see why they've made that decision. You know, as, yeah. as a as a consumer, I may not agree with it. As a seller, I love it. Um, but uh, I, as an Australian-based seller, as an Australian-based seller, that's right. Oh, that absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, so as an Australian, exactly, as an Australian-based seller, uh, I very much uh, think it's, it's fantastic, but I can see both sides to, to that. I can see how um, consumers are not happy about it, um, but that's, it's partly because our government has changed our GST uh, importing laws. That, that's what uh, you know, all, all um, websites that are selling into Australia now have to charge a GST, and I guess Amazon decided, well, we've got a platform here, why should we? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is interesting to see the kind of constant battle uh, between um, consumers and governments and and platforms yeah. and the response to it. Uh, yeah. I do still think it's a it's a wonderful opportunity for sellers and even Amazon at large. You know, uh, I'm I'm a, a critic from time to time on Amazon uh, about you know this policy or that policy, mm. but I still believe for those who are willing to do it properly. Yes, it represents a very unique and extraordinary. Oh, it's, look, the, the the fact that you can build yourself a multi-million dollar business with almost nothing to start with. I mean, you and I both know in retail, even if you start a retail from scratch, by the time you fit out a shop, you're hundreds of thousand dollars in the hole before you even open your doors. To to get into a business which, and you and I both know people who have sold them for tens of millions of dollars after a couple of years. So to get into a business with almost no financial investment, 
just your time and your brains. And, you know, obviously you need a little bit of funds, but not a lot compared to pretty much any other business out there. To be able to do that today is still the best business opportunity I've ever come across. I mean, seriously. It totally is. And you you alluded to this earlier, but Amazon's growth rate alone gives you ample opportunity. You know, what is it, 20% growing. just this year? Is it 20% something it, like that this year? I think it's it's trading even higher than that. In some categories, yeah. 30%. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's remarkable that it continues. So, you know, for all the things that Amazon is not doing well, I'm going to call them out on it. But when they do stuff that's really great, I want to yeah. also uh, recognize that and give them uh, full credit. So there's a lot of really good stuff that's out there. And e-commerce is more than just Amazon, just to be clear. Of course. There's a lot oh, of absolutely. I mean, that, that's very much where my focus is. And um, I don't know if I've told you I'm writing my book. Very exciting. Yeah. Yes. So I'm actually doing pretty much what you're doing as a podcast um, and uh, talking to just some everyday, ordinary people, not the Ryan Morans and... Um, Kevin Kings of this world, even though I adore both of those people, but uh, everyday people who've come from non-business and non-e-commerce backgrounds who have been able to change their lives through this opportunity. And I think they've got some amazing stories to tell um, and not just tips and hints, but also inspiration for other people who perhaps are, are looking at the opportunity. So that, that's what's consuming a lot of my time right this minute. I love it. Well, I, those, you know, those types, I call them origin stories. Those are so yeah. inspiring to me. And, and the, especially it's the everyday examples that exactly, that, you know, aren't going to necessarily find their way to the stage. Those can be the most recognized oh, to the audience. Absolutely. I, I have some friends here in Australia who, uh, who live and work in, you know, middle of nowhere, like a little country town. And he used to be a bricklayer and she used to sell clothes in a retail shop. And she actually got fired because the retail shop got shut down and they have, I think, something like five or six kids between them. Um, and they, three years, four years later, are running a multi-million dollar business out of their lounge rooms. And, you know, inspiring, like totally inspiring stories of people. And if you met them in the street, you'd never know uh, what they're doing. Um, you know, and again, this, this is people who would, as you say, would never be on a stage. You know, they're not doing training courses. They're not marketing themselves. They're just quietly uh, changing their lives and changing the lives of their families. That's yeah. what for me is inspiring. Totally inspiring. I love that. I can't wait. Now, how long will it be before your book comes out? Uh, well, we're hoping to launch before Christmas. Okay. Nice. Um, so I'm putting a call out. I have uh, a lot of people that I want to interview, but I'm also putting a call out for anybody who themselves thinks they've got a great story or knows of somebody who's got a great story. I would love to hear from them uh, to be able to interview them um, for the book. Good. Well, we'll make sure in the show notes, whatever yes. whatever contact info you wish to provide, we'll put that in the sure. show notes. Absolutely. Sure uh, folks out there. You know, I, I truly believe in, you know, kind of networking in, in general. And this is a, a type of networking, you know, sure. even kind of virtual, right? The podcast is virtual. People tune in on in the book. They read of when course. they want. But yes, absolutely. Goodness, they, when people really see that with proper work, with, you know, yes. diligence, not, not this idea that I'm going to click a few buttons and I'm going to retire to the beach. That's not <laughs> right. No, but no. when they do the work, uh, they can earn their way into some life-changing uh, situations. It really is uh, a revelation. So I, I can't wait to see the book. And uh, 
And, you know, it, when you're getting close to the launch, we'll try to get you back on here. Make sure we. Uh, oh, I would love that. That, yeah, that would be that would be a real honor. I would love that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great uh, time talking to you. So before we go, I wonder if you have any final words of wisdom out there, maybe for the awesomers who, who may be paying attention. Oh, look, really, don't wait. Really, I, th- I think that's probably it. If, if there's something that you really want to do uh, and you're waiting for the right time, you know, the right time is now. You know, don't, don't wait. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> I'll take, take something from Nike there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We'll investigate the copyright applicability. The copyright. That doesn't apply to Australia. Well, well, well that, that's, that's why I attributed it. It's attributed. No, I didn't oh, make the, I, 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 yeah. I gave the, the correct attribution <laughs> yeah, I to, whoever, to whoever the, the copywriter was that they came up with that branding. That's beautiful. But, um, it really is a smart but, but, thing. But yes, it's, it's really just don't wait. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? You know, it's, how is your situation going to change tomorrow if you don't actually take the step and do whatever it is that you know you've got to do? We all know what we have to do, really. We know it. We're just often too scared to, to take that step. And as I tell my daughter, you know, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And if that worst possible thing that can happen, you can just go, hmm, okay. Uh, so I'll lose a little bit of money, okay. If I lose face... Can I live with that? And the answer is usually yes, because, you know, if the people, if you lose face in front of people who love you, they're not going to care. And if you lose face in front of strangers, well, they're not going to care either. So <laughs> what does it matter? Just, just go out and do it. Oh, I, I totally, I just love that premise because nobody cares about your failures. Except no. you. Nobody exactly, does. exactly. We, we get so tied into looking good and looking successful and, you know, playing the game that we forget that nobody else cares. You know, they, they might gossip about it for a day or two until, you know, somebody else's failures is more exciting than yours. Um, and then to get everybody gets on with their lives and so should you. Yeah, there's no point in waiting on somebody else's schadenfreude to uh, slow you down. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Fail Fast, and, and I think yeah. that's very, very good advice. Uh, thank you again, Regina, for joining us today. Uh, awesomers everywhere appreciate you, you know, taking the oh, time, and we really do uh, like Thank that. you. Thank you. Can I just quickly plug? I forgot to plug the name of the book. Oh, please, oh. yes, if you have it. Uh, well, it's a still working title, but at the moment uh, we're calling it 13 Amazing uh, Secrets of Amazon Entrepreneurs. Nice. So, I like that. And uh, that will be the website, 13amazingsecrets.com. Uh, so it's not yet up. So don't everybody click on the website because it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it will exist. That's the point. But it will, it will exist. The name has been registered. The domain has been bought. Crystal Ball is working a lot better than mine already. Yeah. Uh, there you go. So, so I can tell you that that website in some form will exist uh, in the next couple of months. Well, this is a be- great thing about a podcast is you never know really when people are going to listen to this. The book well, may already be out. It may be out for a year by the time they listen to this. True, uh, so true. It could in, which case, be in which case, go buy a copy for a friend. Exactly. But not just a friend, <laughs> the whole office. Let's get this. All done. of your friends. That's yeah, it. All like of your that. friends. Well, this has been, uh, again, a, a great pleasure. Thank you for getting up so early and, uh, you know, committing well, yeah. to the uh, awesomer audience uh, your time. And uh, 
For Osmers out there, we will be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. I just never can get enough of origin stories, and Regina's no exception. And I'm so excited about her new book, right? Where she's kind of taken a, a similar concept of this origin story, the, the everyday people that are having their lives changed. And, you know, one could say even turned upside down, but not in a negative way, right? They're turned upside down, and they're, they're engineering their own lives in a way that is positive and productive. That's going to be an exciting book, and I hope that any of you who are interested will uh, reach out to Regina and see if you can be a part of that project. It's so important. Um, I love hearing a good origin story, and Regina's you know, kind of ups and downs as, as she's gone through her, her path are no exception. Uh, really, really wonderful. And again, I'm thrilled that she was able to join us. It's a, uh, a difficult thing for somebody to all the way in Australia to get up at 5 in the morning. Now, I do want to remind you, this is awesomers.com, episode number 41. So all you have to do is go to awesomers.com slash 41 to find all the show notes, details, etc. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Osmers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.